Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi there, and a very warm welcome to you from all of us here at AusBiz. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests here with me in studio today too, over the course of an hour. So let's get to these guests, shall we? We've got a little bit of the dream team here. We've got Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Hi, guys. Hi. Grady, you must be busy these days with earnings yeah. coming out fast and furious. Yeah, earnings season is uh, its surprising on some fronts, but not unexpected across others. So we're loving what we're seeing. Um, CBA yesterday, naturally, we were expecting cash profits to fall because you can't keep a record forever. Um, but yeah, naturally, um, some, of the, some of the surprising ones have been in the retail space so we're seeing resilience and I'm not sure why because it is high high cost of living at the moment and a lot of people are stopping spending but apparently not for JB Hi-Fi so and more people uh, out of work we learned today too the unemployment rate rising to 4.1 percent Howard you won't mind me saying you've lived through a few cycles in your life (laughs) we knew that the unemployment rate was going to have to rise because the RBA wants to cool this economy inflation in particular um, look, where are you looking in the market for, you know, areas that you would likely avoid uh, given the weak consumer? Well, look, I think the most important thing always is you want to be in the best business in the sector. And so, you own JB Hi-Fi. Uh, uh, I do, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of our members, I don't own a huge amount of JB Hi-Fi. It's not one of my bigger holdings. But uh, uh, a lot of our members uh, certainly own a fair bit of JB Hi-Fi. And, um, you know, despite all the talk about consumers doing it tough, um, people seem to be out there spending a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So one wonders what they've cut down on that they're not (laughs) spending on, because so far in reporting season, there doesn't seem to be much of anything. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I see Breville Group today, one of the best performers, up by close to 5%. Um, it dropped 12 when it reported. It did, yeah. it did. Because there has been some pretty swift reactions to these yeah. um, results. I just am noticing as well, you know, we've got West Farmers res- reporting today. Its share price is up by about 5%, talking about resilience in its retail business because yeah. it has a value offering, you know, being Kmart. Yeah. Um, and we'll be speaking with uh, the CEO, Rob Scott, a little bit later today. Mm. So just dropping a little promo in there as well. If you're listening to this in podcast form or watching live, we will be speaking with Rob Scott later on and we'll put that up online as soon as it's done. So you can listen in to his take on consumers as well as the lithium space as well. Um, But look, why don't I get you across the companies that have been nominated by our viewers and that's Macquarie Technology Group, Sky City Entertainment, we'll probably have a brief chat about that one, Brickworks, Newmont, and I can almost tell you what Howard's gonna say about that one, Mm -hmm. and Pilbara Minerals, speaking of lithium. Um, But in keeping with the reporting season theme, I mean, I was spoiled for choice today, but I did pick Goodman Group because its share price is up by close to five and a half percent and timestamping this just past noon here in Sydney on this Thursday. 
Um, look, it reported today. It's seen an operating profit coming in at one point, pretty close to $1.2 billion. Um, it has got half, uh, half yearly assets under management, um, looking really strong. It expects to see, you know, it's actually upgraded its guidance going forward and it's paying out a distribution of 15 cents for the half year and shares off the back of that result um, are at a 15 year high. So let's get some analysis on Goodman Group. And I suppose what we need to talk about, Grady, you know, there's so many favorable things said about Goodman. Yeah. And even, you know, that it is a way to play the AI thematic here in Australia, yeah. even though it's property, it's getting into data centers, right? We're yeah. always looking for how we can get AI exposure here locally. <laughs> But one has to wonder if it's fully priced. That's the thing. It's it's the kind of the company that keeps going from strength to strength. Yeah. And I was actually talking to Paul from Bell Potter Online about this stock because he said it's one of the five stocks that he has in every client's portfolio because it is just a company. Like upgrading guidance is an unheard of thing in this reporting season. And that's what we've seen investors particularly responsive to is the guidance outlook for the remainder of FY24. And Goodman Group is one that's come out actually upgrading guidance. So this company continues to go from strength to strength and investors are obviously very impressed with the results today assets under management did come down slightly so but that again was attributed to um, a decline or um, revaluations and FX effects so it's not actually anything that's uh, material for the company and again they have a really strong outlook for the remainder of the financial year um, this company is one that really stood out to me last reporting season for the full year of 2023 because it increased prices at a time when a lot of companies had to decrease prices to match consumer demand and that didn't affect their demand at all which we've seen today in the reporting season and their demand they're at 99% occupancy rate for all of their data centers so they're going from strength to strength this company I cannot fault I don't actually think it's fully priced because they can they have seen that they've got growth on their on the horizon so yeah really good one um, definitely a buy for Goodman Group. Buy even at these 15 year even highs. Even at 15 year highs. So, you know, to Grady's point, you know, Paul from Bell Potter having it in every client portfolio, like I, I would struggle to find somebody who has a bad word to say about Goodman Group. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it, probably the best in class. I, in fact, I shouldn't even have put the word probably in. It's the best in class. <laughs> yeah. in, in terms of property companies, if you want to own one in your portfolio, it's probably the one. What our members, uh, find difficult with owning it is twofold. Uh, number one, the earnings per share roughly doubled in 10 years, but the share price has gone up five times in 10 years, which doesn't exactly make it cheap. Um, the second thing is like all property companies now with the accounting standards having changed uh, several times over the last decade, they now have to continually revalue or devalue uh, the uh, properties in their portfolio. So every time interest rates go up, they have to devalue the value of the properties. Every time interest rates go down, they can revalue them upwards. And that makes understanding the business and its actual results very difficult indeed. So while the operating profit was up 11% for the half year and was outstanding, um, the actual reported profit is a loss uh, because of the huge write-down that they had to take on the value of their assets. So. There are Team Invest members who own it, but most Team Invest members look at it and say, it goes in the too hard basket. I can really only understand probably 20 great companies 
and uh, Goodman Group is a great company, but it's not one I understand terribly well. I'll steer clear of it. And I've never personally owned it for exactly that reason, but certainly best in class. Best in class, but you are not recommending a buy. Well, only in that it's, it, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to say no to a company that does so well, but its share price is up a lot. I mean, it's a property company on a PE of 37. Now, that's really high. Okay, so, so maybe a bit too expensive. That's it. Okay. Great company, but expensive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, look, um, take what you will. Don't forget, this is information only. You've got to do your own uh, research. And yeah, think about your own particular circumstances as well before you make any investment decision. All right, now that's out of the way. Let's get to the first on the list. This is for Oliver. MAQ is the ticker code. Well, speaking of uh, data centers, yeah. you know, speaking of exposure. Yeah. Look, um, Macquarie Technology Group is a favorite, I think, of Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Invest. So again, this is yeah. a quality company on a bourse, if you look at Altium, that we seem to be losing tech yeah. companies you know, by the day, really. Literally at the moment. And so I think one like this could actually be a takeover target for a bigger company, like a Goodman Group or something like that, because it's on the smaller end. So data centers, it's been around since 1992, um, and it's got contracts with the government in Canberra and Sydney. So it's data warehouses. I think it has five all up, two in Canberra, three in Sydney. Um, there's not a lot of research on this company, and there's not a lot of brokers that actually rate this company. So it's kind of hard to build an opinion around that based on analysts. But if you're looking at the fundamentals, it's ninth consecutive year of profitable growth. Um, they changed their name last year. It's Infotech mm -hmm. from uh, the tech, they go more into tech now as opposed to telecommunications. So they're not, they're diversifying into that tech space. Um, and they've remained uh, Microsoft's Azure partner in Australia with the small to medium corporate sector. So having a, the credibility of Microsoft on your, on your um, bandwagon is really, really good as well. So it is in a really good position right now. It's in the, as we can see, the share price just says it all, how, um, how good this company is. So it's, um, it's moving into the right space at the right time. And um, I, it's pretty expensive at this rate, but we, given the, um, the outlook is really strong for this sector, I'd probably say it's a buy. But again, that's, I'd be doing your own research before you buy into something like this. I'd say Goodman Group's probably my preferred, but something like this definitely is on the radar right now. Okay. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Macquarie Technology Group? No, not, not enthused. It's a capital intensive business. Yeah. You know, it's all very well to say it's going to benefit from AI, but it's got to spend a hell of a lot of capital building every one of its data centers. So it's got low return on equity. I mean, return on equity has been under 10% for each of the last three years. Um, Grady mentioned that profits have grown for nine years, uh, not on the figures I've got. So I don't know, maybe we've got somehow other different ways that the figures were calculated. Maybe. But I've got from 2018 to 2019 that the profit dropped. Again, in 2020, it dropped. In 21, it dropped. And in 22, it dropped. But then it rose dramatically in 23. So the 23 profit's a new record. But uh, it had had a number of years in between that it dropped. And, and a company that is this capital intensive should be on a low PE. And it's on an 84 PE. Wow. You know, it's all very well for a company that's got no capital intensity at all, hardly got to spend any money and can grow fast. But every time it wants to grow, it's got to take a huge chunk of money in order to grow. 
and that's money that can't go to the shareholders. It grows into another build, goes into mm-hmm. another building, and all the servers that go in the building, and all the wiring that goes in the building. The AC comes to mind as well. Absolutely, the air conditioning, all that sort of thing. So you know, uh, I like companies that give their money to the shareholders. I don't like companies that keep on reinvesting vast quantities of money on the prospect that one day somehow either the shareholders will benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you had it, would you hold on to it? No. Okay, so by default, that is a sell. Yep. Okay, let's continue on, shall we? Because the next on the list is Sky City, and this one has been picked by Adam SKC. Howard, is there any reason um, an Aussie investor should want to hold on to Sky City Entertainment? No, not particularly. I mean, our members would have two problems with it. Uh, not being Australian would be the smaller of the two problems because you can understand the business better if you live in the country. Mm-hmm. But secondly, um, a lot of its income comes from gambling, really. And most of our members look at it and say, they don't mind other people investing in that if they want to, but they like to invest in things they'd like to see more of, <laughs> not things they'd like to see less of. Its return on equity the last three years has been negative or low, but that's probably because New Zealand was pretty much closed, nobody yes, could go so anywhere. So you can't blame them for that. Oh, there's regulatory risk as well. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, so it, looking at their fundamentals, it's very hard to judge it. Um, but uh, they've had to do a capital raising, uh, not a very big one. Just one that certainly, if, if, if I raised it at a team invest meeting, somebody in the room very quickly would say, let's move on. And everybody in the room would say, yeah, yeah, let's not waste our time. So that's a sell. That's a sell. Okay. Um, I I suppose some people, Grady, might be interested in Sky City because when they look at that chart, they wonder, well, look, it does have assets. And people do like to gamble. And maybe it's really good value right now. Yeah, some people, I think, would look at that, as you said, and see the benefit of the downside right now. And there's a lot of upside potential because gambling is not really going anywhere. And so and it will always be part of the economy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, it's actually an avoid because of ESG concerns. So I definitely look at that and say it's not a great thing to have gambling addictions. And um, I know a lot of these places actually don't have clocks in them. So and they pump the air con. So they want you to spend as much money as you can acquire as much unaffordable debt as you can so yeah it's not a great um, look there but um, they actually this week have been taken to court they're being taken to court by New Zealand's national financial watchdogs over breaches relating to money laundering Mm. so 2.8% lower on the day um, because investors naturally are responding to any regulatory problems Um, so yeah for me it's yeah it's definitely an avoid Um, I don't see the need for this kind of and by the investment way, investment in my portfolio. The the amusing thing, of course, is there's always surprise in every country mm. when casinos are discovered to have been involved in money laundering. Yeah, no. oh, duh. <laughs> you know, really. I know everybody else reading it in their newspaper is going, uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Waiting for this. I mean, yeah. if you wanted to launder money, where would you go? Yeah, yeah. Well, just watch Ozark on Netflix, and you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I hope they come out with a new season. I do too. I yeah. miss it. I love Ozark. Zark, I do for have this a exact thing reason. For, yeah, yeah. Jason Bateman. I don't know. I yeah. just like his. Anyways, we well, don't have a look at this. <laughs> Never watched it. It's I'm pretty just crazy. Have a look. It's um, very good. Okay. All right. Let's get back to our bread and butter, and uh, I think that goes well with Brickworks. That's been picked by Arian. BKW. I mean, bricks and mortar. What's more Aussie than that? Um, 
Late last year, it saw a 10% devaluation of its property trust portfolio. Um, but, you know, that might be the bad news getting out of the way, correct? Uh, what does the team at Bell Potter think of Brickworks? What they actually think? have a buy rating on it with a price target of $27.80. Now, we do like, naturally, a lot of people think Brickworks is just bricks, but it's not. They've got the property portfolio, as mm-hmm. you said, the building products, and they actually have the 26% shareholding in Washington Hale yeah. Pats. So it's a really diversified company. And at, at the moment, we are sitting pretty high in the share price. So we do see a bit of a pullback coming, hence the... Um, um, price target of $27.80. But we do see this is a really good company for stability in your portfolio because they've got the backlog of all the building at the moment. So we've got a housing crisis in Australia. So bricks aren't really going anywhere. We know bricks will always be needed. The property portfolio had that devaluation, as you said, but that's kind of in the past now and it's all factored into the share price. Um, and we also see that there's resilience in the margins across all of its building products. So they did increase in prices and they are definitely reaping the rewards of that. So the benefits of margin expansion. So we do like this. It's a market leader. It's got a really strong position in the market. It pays a dividend. So uh, again, for income investors, this is a big tick for you. Uh, but yeah, we do like the, the company and um, it's definitely a pick of our bunch. Okay. So there we go. We've got um, that buy for Brickworks. Okay. Um, Brickworks. Yeah, uh, great company. I mean, the, uh, Milner, who's the chairman of the board, is also chairman of the board of Sal Patterson. Yep. Uh, and in fact, their property portfolio isn't a separate property portfolio totally unique to Brickworks. It's a joint venture with Goodman Group that we mm. spoke about earlier. Uh, it's a 50-50 joint venture with uh, Goodman Group. So what happens is when they finish getting all the clay and the stuff out of the ground that was a Brickworks, um, they've got this enormous amount of property each time. So they're using Goodman Group to do joint developments mm-hmm. of those properties. Um, it, it, it probably, uh, I can't remember the exact figure, but it and Sol Patterson hold the record for the number of years that they have paid dividends wow. in Australia without ever reducing the dividend. Oh, you so, like that, Howard. Uh, and, Howard and, and, and hence, <laughs> any, anybody who owns it, yeah. it's not that the dividend has ever in that period of time grown dramatically fast. But it's always at the very least kept up with inflation or grown a bit faster than inflation. They run the company extremely conservatively. They look at their shareholders as partners and hence both Brickworks and Sol Patterson are very popular with team invest members. Not as great wealth winners, they aren't the kind of things that are going to make you rich. But they're certainly the kind of companies that you know management's looking after your interests, not their interests in running the company. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it's it's maybe fractionally expensive at the moment, but I certainly wouldn't uh, say it's a bad idea to buy it now. But it moves around a little bit. You can probably get it marginally cheaper. You're not going to get it dramatically cheaper. But if you watch it for a few days, you may get it marginally cheaper. But yeah, put it down as a buy. It's a buy. We've got a double Double buy. buy. And I think that's where the enthusiasm will end because next on the list (laughs) is Newmont. So this has been picked by Daniel. He says... Newmont has underperformed compared to the price of gold since the Newcrest acquisition. At these prices, the upside seems great for the world's biggest gold miner. But in this economic climate, when will that turnaround begin? So I'm going to go to you first on this one, Howard, to get your view on gold and gold miners. It's it's not a company I follow much, but probably the easy answer is when they have management who are capable of running the business well, because clearly they aren't. 
you know, whether the gold price goes up or goes down, Newmont doesn't ever seem to make terribly much money. So uh, uh, it, it's not surprising. I'm, I'm looking at a 10-year chart uh, or 10-year set of data from the US so that I don't only have to look at the little bit since uh, it's been mm-hmm. listed uh, here on the ASX. And, you know, most years its return on equity has been well below 10%. Its earnings are half the amount per share today that they were 10 years ago. So the gold price has gone up in the 10 years, but 10 years ago they were earning about $1.46 per share. They're now earning 70 odd cents per share, and in the last half year, worse than that. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, is, is there anything when you look at it to recommend it? No. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, as it is, gold miners are generally a hole in the ground with an excuse to raise money from people. Um, but this one hasn't done that. Oh, in fact, let's have a look at capital raisings before I say it hasn't. Oh, it's raised capital a couple of times in the 10 years, not as often as some miners do, but it just never runs it well. So definitely avoid from me and I'm sure all team invest members looking at it would say the same. Okay. I share the same opinion. Um, We don't cover it. And um, looking at the research and looking at the company, again, it should be rallying in this time because gold is doing so well. It has come back over the last few days because of rate uncertainty. But again, it should be doing really well at at this time at these levels. But I think over the last few years, being the world's biggest gold miner, there's a lot of expectation on a company company like this and they just haven't delivered. So when you're looking at the companies in gold, I actually prefer personally Spartan Resources and Bellevue Gold, um, but Bell Potter prefers Gold Road Resources. Um, I own Spartan, by the way, so I'll just pop that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably a more risk taker in the gold space because when you're looking at different gold, you want to look at the assays results that are coming out. So for a, an explorer like Spartan, they've got really strong assay results coming out and um, all in sustaining costs for Bellevue Gold as well are really uh, under control. So looking at those two companies, they're my preferred gold stocks. Okay, so that is an avoid yeah. for Newmont as and, well. And, and I prefer gold companies that don't do anything to do with gold. Yeah, <laughs> you don't like gold. I no. know this. This comes back to his time as a boy in South Africa. Absolutely. Yeah. You'd wa- you know, all these hundreds of gold mines that were listed on the stock exchange and two yeah. or three of them actually gave their shareholders reasonable returns and the rest of them constantly mined their shareholders' wallets. Do, would you prefer gold, like holding physical gold or no, just no exposure no, to gold at all? gives you no income. Yeah. Why not hold a great company that keeps yeah. increasing its earnings every year and pays you dividends? Yeah, absolutely. Name one. Uh, a whole bunch of them. Yeah, you know, well, just give me, overseas give me what ones you're, give you, What about something like... Can I be nosy and say, what's your what biggest holding Apple, right now? Oh, my personally yeah. biggest holding, I think, is CSL or Berkshire. Yeah. Depends oh, on what the yeah. share prices are mm-hmm. today. They're my two biggest holdings. Wow. And some days Berkshire's bigger than CSL, some days CSL bigger than Berkshire. I've owned both of them for a very, very long time and done incredibly well. I mean, my cost price on... CSL, I actually paid $51 at the time I bought them. But no, no, it's better than that. They had a three for one share split. So my actual cost price is $17. Wow. It's now, I don't know, close to 300. And it's of course paid dividends every year in the time I've owned Mm -hmm. it. I don't know what they all total, but obviously a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, Berkshire doesn't pay dividends, but again, you know, it's many, many times what I paid for it originally. Um, can't remember what I paid, but is Berkshire the most expensive now. stock in the world? No, 
Where's, what's that? What don't know what it of? is, but they're more expensive ones. Costco at the moment has got a higher sheep price than Berkshire. Wow. And there may be others. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying it's the highest. Yeah. But uh, of the ones I watch because they pass our filters, yeah. <laughs> uh, Costco has got a higher price than Berkshire. Wow. Well, Google is saying that Berkshire Hathaway is the most expensive yeah, stock so. in the world. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought yeah. so. No. I thought so. Hang on. Berkshire, lint, so the chocolate. Yeah. Um, next. So that would be clothing yeah, in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seaboard Corp, interesting. I thought it was well, the only that, fact I have. Google is wrong <laughs> because Costco's share price closed last night at $714 oh, yeah. and Berkshire closed last night at, where are we? The A shares, they've got B shares, which are yeah, cheaper. Yeah. But the A shares closed last night at, oh, wait a sec. Hang on. Are we right? <laughs> no, in fact, they're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One's in thousands and yes, the other one yeah, is in yes, thousands. Yes, yes, My right. apologies. I swear Berkshire is like... In the B like, shares, no, no, B shares are $398. That's it. Yeah. That's it. The A shares are $507,000. I was like, I was like honestly... <laughs> never wrong. <but> well, <laughs> the, the, this I'm is, making a note of this day. No, <laughs> we record this. My excuse is, as my hair gets greyer... <laughs> My mathematical abilities are shrinking. Yeah. Oh. I was like, one's got a few extra zeros in the That's end there. <laughs> I've actually got an interview up online if somebody wants to go and um, look at it uh, with a guy, Jonathan Newark from DivGro, and he just loves Costco for um, for the dividend. I mean, that's his whole um Wayne. Anyways, yeah. I, I digress. Let's get to the next company that's on the list, and that is Pilbara. So this is for Chris saying, I already own Pilbara. Do you think it's a takeover target? And if so, what levels would be a realistic price on this great company? Interesting. Um, some even talking that West Farmers might be looking at some M&A in the lithium space. Don't think it would go for Pilbara, but you never know. What yeah. do you make of Pilbara? Uh, we have a hold on Pilbara. It's naturally caught up in the cycle of lithium right now. And lithium yeah. lithium's a hard one because it's always going to be needed in this green energy transition but it just hasn't as a commodity it hasn't found its happy medium of a balanced price and with all the news and noise in the market that's just absolutely damaging all of those share prices but again um i know howard will say there's lithium everywhere but mm -hmm. getting lithium out of the ground is a really hard process uh, pilbara is one of the lowest cost producers of lithium they're also getting into the downstream uh, production side of lithium which is where the margins are made so it 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 is the world's largest independently owned hard rock lithium operator at the Pilgangora project. Again, they had a pretty tough year with um, realized average price down 50% quarter on quarter. Um, that's naturally because of the weaker lithium prices in the market, but the average, they had higher production and sales volume as well. So that helped drive unit costs lower. So they're an incredible company at the, with Dale Henderson at the helm. So I can't fault them at all, um, given that, but it's just a hold because they're riding the wave of the lithium um, mm -hmm. cycle at the moment. And that's kind of any commodity, really. You've, you've got a, you're exposed to a commodity cycle and unfortunately it's not lithium's time right now. Yeah, now does M&A factor into your assessment of Pilbara at all? Just not to try really. to answer the question. No, yeah. not really. I don't know how a company of this scale would be a takeover target it's huge it's a massive company and obviously it's one of the most i think it's the most shorted stock the on most the shorted. asx but so. i mean we've seen it before just newcrest newmont i mean that yeah, happened so yeah. it's not out of the question it's not out of the but question. i didn't know if it factored into yeah your no but looking assessment. at Al like albemarle was going for liontown and so i think the more takeover targets in the lithium space would be the smaller players but again albemarle i don't know if they'll touch any 
WA brands, any WA <laughs> companies now. So well, it's bitten twice shy. Yeah. What do you think of Pilbara? Yeah. Um, yeah, there, Howard? I, I don't think it's a takeover target. I mean, yeah. it's possible, but highly unlikely. It's it's a ten billion dollar company, mm-hmm. and a logical takeover buyer would be somebody in lithium already that's got ten billion spare. And anybody in lithium at the moment's got no money Bit spent, spent. Yeah. Um, and they're much smaller than than, than mm-hmm. ten billion dollars. So there will, I'm almost certain, be consolidation in this area. Uh, over four hundred new lithium mines were started mm-hmm. in the past twelve months, uh, in in the year 2023. Um, most of those will never ever uh, make any money, but there's so much lithium around, and yes, it's hard to extract, but that's because we're in the early stages of dealing with this. Mm. You know, uh, iron ore wasn't as easy to transport, to extract a transport ship, etc., as it's become, and the same applies to everything. Um, because lithium is a relatively new commodity that's being worked on, the technologies are all in their infancy. So whoever builds a, a plant to uh, turn spodumen into lithium hydroxide or lithium carbonate, whatever they spend today, the competitor in 10 years' time will be able to build a plant that probably is twice as efficient at half the price. So uh, uh, that's the problem with it. And there is so much lithium around that it's very hard to see which will be the wealth winners. So our members look at these and say, there's no way of knowing what the earnings per share will be in five years' time. So I'm buying into something. I've got no idea if I'm going to do well or badly, uh, easier to avoid the space. If you do want to be in lithium, and you don't want to be totally dependent on lithium, Mm. something like mineral resources works Mm. or West Farmers works Mm. because lithium is only part of their business, not all of their business. Did Um, West Farmers say today that they're looking to get out of lithium? No, no. No? Okay. No, they said they'd possibly take a write down on their lithium assets. That's it. Which I'm sure everybody's going to be doing. 100%, yeah. uh, Remember when a year ago, Everybody was talking about how lithium prices can only go higher from here. Yeah. We were saying, the moment everybody <laughs> says prices of a commodity can only go higher, you know, that's about the time they're going to crash. <laughs> um, it's an absolute, it, it's been for, for over 100 years. Every time people talk about prices of commodities can't get any lower, they're about to go up. And every time they say they can't get any higher, oh, sorry, they're only going to go higher, they crash. So, See, uh, uranium, that's exactly a case of there. Yeah, so um, West Farmers did not take the write down on that lithium okay. project, the Mount Holland project, yep. but it is saying that um, you know it can still produce lithium because of its price in which yeah. it started um, off with that um, project. And it is you know really sticking with its uh, tight cost controls there as yeah. well. So I'm looking yeah. forward to your interview this afternoon. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. always good. And Rob Scott's always very forthcoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of everything, even policy and the, and the like. So yeah. we'll get a, a good view on the consumer and we will for sure ask about, um, you know, yeah. the long game, I suppose, that it's playing when it comes to lithium. Absolutely. All right, so we are at the um, halfway mark and I'm going to put in a void down for Pilbara. Um, from Howard and yep. Macquarie Tech. Well, first of all, stock of the day, it's a buy from Grady, which is, of course, Goodman Group. Um, look, it's the best in class in Howard's view. It's just too expensive right now to buy. <laughs> Macquarie Technology Group, um, Howard does not really like it. He would sell it because it's just such a capital intensive 
um, business. But Grady likes it. It's a buy. She says it's a company in the right place at the right time. Both of my guests have, you know, ESG concerns with Sky City, but also regulatory concerns. Howard would sell it. Um, Grady would as well. It's an avoid for her. Um, Brickworks, it's a double buy from both of my guests. Um, $27.80 is a price target on it by Bell Potter. Um, and yeah, Howard says it's a great company. He'd be buying it too. Newmont, it's an avoid from both of my guests. Grady did give us a bonus buy. She holds Gold Road in her own portfolio. Um, and Pilbara Minerals, you just heard our guests talking about it. It's a hold for Grady. You know, you got the wrong part of the cycle for lithium, clearly. Um, Howard would always look for a more diversified exposure to lithium, you know, like a mineral resources, like a West Farmers, um, but even then, you know, he'd be avoiding uh, Pilbara. Okay, the investment committee, most recent meeting has already happened. It's up online, ausbiz.com.au. Sold Challenger, interesting, because last time I hosted it, they actually added to the allocation, but that's okay, Challenger sold, Centos added. Um, weighting of CSL and Macquarie were reduced, and we saw AUB um, added to as well as Kroon Energy. So what's the portfolio doing? That is up, up by about 21% since its inception. So double buy for Brickworks, that will be sent to the investment committee. All right, let's get across the next companies on our list. Coden, Adbry, Iris, Vicinity Partners and GQG Partners in the funds management space. All right, shall we get to it? We've got Raymond ask, ooh, why jump there? Let's get a view on Coded. Let's, who is this? Who is this? My thing's jumping around. Lawrence. Lawrence has asked about Coded. Howard, I might stick with you because you think about Coded as being, you know, those things that the you, mine yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but um, um you know what do you think of it as a yeah, company that's, that's the smaller part of their yeah, business exactly. nowadays uh, the bigger part of their business is emergency calls and mm-hmm. that sort of thing mainly in the u.s uh, i actually own some codeine shares i, I wouldn't Ooh. say it's one of the companies i know as well as some of the others i know i, I own because i've haven't owned it for that long only a few years um, but a lot of our adelaide members know the company really really well and i've be surprised if there are any Adelaide members who don't own Codan among our members. It's Adelaide-based, oh. so they probably have an advantage in terms of understanding the business compared to us here. But the important things about it, fundamentals-wise, it's got a high return on equity consistently. The last eight years, it's been well above 10%. Um, its earnings per share been growing. Uh, not not in an absolutely straight line, so not with perfect stability, but earnings per share on average has grown sort of around 16% per annum over the last six years, which is terrific. It's got virtually no debt, only about 30%. And although debt to equity, and although it's made a number of acquisitions, it's managed to fund them out of the existing business as well as paying dividends. So it's not a hugely high dividend yield, mm-hmm. but it's managed to pay dividends while funding these acquisitions and without raising any capital from shareholders. So it hasn't once come to shareholders for money. Mm -hmm. Um, So from all those points of view, um, you know, we, most of our members are quite enthusiastic about it. The last year, 2023, was a bit down, um, mainly because their mine lab business, the detectors, um, was doing very poorly because the Sudanese government banned um, people from, doing uh, detecting unless they were connected to the government. 
uh, or the army, I forget <laughs> which. But anyway, you couldn't do it unless you had the right uh, background. And uh, that hurt them a bit. But um, this year, probably earnings will be back up again. And um, basically, good company. Uh, share price at the moment, a little on the high side. You've been able to buy it on a PE of somewhere around about uh, 10s to 13s every year for the last several years. There have been times when it dropped that low. It's now on a PE of 22, but it's going to report higher earnings. So that will drop. So maybe a little expensive, but I don't think a long-term buyer, if they bought it today and were happy to wait five, 10 years, would be complaining. But you could probably get it a little bit cheaper and when the market's having a bad week. Mm, okay, so shall we call it a buy though? Yeah, I think so. I think so, all right, Grady? Double buy. Double so, buy. So yeah, everything Howard said was correct. It's a really strong company. They've actually gone in a bit of a acquisition strategy recently. So the most recent one was obviously the Wave Central one. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting one because they've got the, it was 9.1 million upfront payment alongside potential 12.1 million in earnout payments over three years. Now, the interesting thing about this is that it's an ex it's a obviously horizontal um, acquisition. So they're expanding their presence into the broadcasting and TV space. So in given that they're in, tele, they're in electronics and in the mining space, they've got the communications, um, the metal detection, they're just really expanding their scope across across the board, across all technology, which is, which is exactly what you want to see for a company that originally was a very niche company. So we really like that. Um, we obviously want to see, well, right now with the acquisitions, you don't see the benefits for a little while. So once they start coming through, then obviously that's a really good thing for um, different companies. But Coden, yeah, again, EPS growth is a big metric for us and what we look at for investments. And for me personally, I definitely like the fact that it's continued to grow. So yeah, just, yeah, it's a good company. Okay, so that's buy. Double Thank buy. you guys. <laughs> And we're going back to the building space, it looks like. Um, probably should have kept this one with Brickworks, but there you go. This is for Raymond. Adbri, ABC is the ticker code, number seven on the list. Um, what do you think of Adbri? I actually have a hold on it. Uh, we don't cover it personally at Bells, but it's actually in a takeover talks at the moment. So I think it's from... Uh, Adelaide Brighton is the biggest, or it used to be known as Adelaide Brighton, yeah. but now they've got the... Um, the takeover is CRH Partners, I think it is. Partner with Barry Interests, uh, who currently yeah, owns 43%. Yeah, it's an Irish company. Yeah, Irish company. So at the moment, it's just a hold and wait and see how that plays out. But the company did have the huge over co cost overruns at its Quinana project in Western Australia. Um, so that has been obviously some issues it's had to deal with recently. But yeah, I'm just waiting to see what happens with this takeover offer because obviously you can't buy in if it's getting taken over. So um, yeah, well, it's, yeah. I mean, the offer was at three dollars twenty per share. It's yeah. currently sitting at three dollars eleven. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you could do that sort of yeah. trade, you know, to try to get the upside. Would you be doing that, Howard? No. Um, the interesting thing with this company is the Barrow family mm. has been creeping up the register. Mm -hmm. And they're uh, in conjunction with CRH making this yes, bit, to be clear. but the Barrow company are competitors of ABC. Uh, well, Adbri, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and in fact, for many, many years, they've been creeping up the register. So it was pretty obvious that one day they would make a takeover offer. Um, after all, uh, this is a competitor of theirs, so there's strategic mm -hmm. reasons for doing it. And they had seats on the board and they were getting a bigger and bigger shareholding. So it's not surprising they put that together. Um, from the point of view of Adbury, though, you know, earnings per share are significantly lower over the last few years than they were 10 years earlier despite the fact that we've had a building boom. So there's been all this infrastructure that uses enormous amounts of cement um, being used in Australia, and yet they used to earn between 25 and 30 cents a share. They had one year that was 32 cents, and the last few years it's been 17, 18, 18, 15. So that's not a good sign. So uh, it many years ago used to pass our filters in Team Invest. Few members owned it, a lot of members weren't so keen. It was sort of a marginal one, but uh, when it stopped passing the filters and the ROE went down and the earnings started dropping, uh, our members all got out ages ago um, and I wouldn't think anybody owns it today. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is an avoid and not tempted by the trade that could be in that um, takeover. All right, the next on the list is Iris and it is Andrew who picked Iris, I-R-E is the ticker code boy. Iris doesn't get talked about an awful lot. We use Iris here um, at uh, Ausbiz. I think you've seen some of our data would be powered by Iris. Um, but what do you think of it as an investment prospect? Well, it's never been a great investment. I mean, everybody uses the products. And they so, do, not just here in Australia, but it's got a significant Canadian business as well. Yeah. And, but, but the sad thing about it is it's made round about 30 to 35 cents a share forever. <laughs> and we've had inflation. So that really means in net of inflation terms, the company has really gone backwards uh, over a period of time for shareholders. So that, that's, you know, it, it's not a capital killer in terms of it hasn't been a sudden nasty thing that's happened to it. But it really has been very, very, very disappointing. Somehow or other, they've never been able to increase their earnings significantly. It crept up very slowly and got to 39 cents a share, but it's now back again to 35. Um, so uh, not a company we'd get enthused about. And despite that, it's on a relatively highish PE. So, um, you know, if a company's not growing at all, you want to be able to buy it really cheap in terms of PE because all you're going to get is a dividend. So a no from us, but it's it's not a terrible company and everybody uses their software. Yeah, but they did upgrade guidance um, late yeah. December, maybe early December, early December. Um, Macquarie for one has an outperform on the stock. Morgan's has an ad. Ordminet has a buy. Dropping your competitors. What is Bell Potter? Yeah, saying? we don't actually cover it, okay. interestingly. But uh, the company is a good company. Again, if you want exposure to financial services and financial markets, really, mm -hmm. I noticed that you guys are, actually have a tab on there, so yeah. it's pretty cool. Um, but no, it's it's a it is a really good company. They've had a strategic refocusing on the core business units to Australia and the APAC region, which is good. Um, we've seen some good growth outlook, and as you said, upgraded guidance because they've been getting some really big customer wins. So in this time and environment, that's what you want to see. So any any guidance upgrade is good guidance upgrade. Um, they've also got numerous upcoming project implementations. So that's what we're seeing across the board. Um, the company also divested some different um, non-core businesses because obviously if it's, if it's not making money, it's not really 
uh, and a value add to any investment. So um, yeah, Iris, I use it every day. So I do like the company. Um, I personally probably wouldn't buy it for my portfolio, but that's my personal strategy. So it offers a good opportunity to get exposure into the markets and the financial services division. But for me, I'd probably hold it if I was an owner um, because it is a strong company. It's got good growth outlook. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't personally have it in my portfolio. Okay. All right. My, my skepticism just says it's had good growth outlook for about 30 years, but it never seems to grow. <laughs> but it's not going it's backwards either. No, that's true. So it's that's, not going backwards. Yeah, the only associate at 30 cents. I, I no, see that's, that's stable. <laughs> it's not going backwards. Yeah, but. yeah. Stability can be good sometimes. <laughs> yeah, okay, but yeah. that wasn't a ringing endorsement, I've got to say, overall. So um, yeah, that's a hold coming from Grady for Iris. Let's get to the ninth stock of the day, and that is Vicinity Centers, VCX, and this has been picked by Lian. Um, so uh, we've got exposure to regions, we've got exposure to retail, but a lot of their real key uh, you know, um, tenants are stuff that we use every day that we'll continue to need to use, you know, yeah. the woolies of the world and such. So does that give you some comfort? Um, I prefer the industrial REITs at the moment. So vicinity centers, we don't actually cover it again, but I probably would avoid this one or um, sell because the outlook for retail is not favorable or in vicinity centers favor. But as you said, Woolworths, Coles, they will always be around. But online shopping, like looking at Woolworths recent update, um, they said online shopping continues to grow and online sales are growing. And so that obviously, like they need places to store their groceries, obviously, and for people to always visit. But um, retail spend is going down in this current environment, then online spend continues to grow. Um, So the retailers in the REIT space are not um, really in the right place at the right time for this cycle. Um, but then again, they do have the property side. So any property at the moment is a good property. So given the property valuation from high property crisis we have right now. So they can definitely capitalize on the fact that they have the property. Um, but yeah, for me, it's probably an avoid, to be honest, because I prefer the industrial REITs at the moment. Mm, but it's an interesting one. You yeah. know, we came into 2024 with a lot of enthusiasm about the A REITs because, of course, we're likely, yeah. likely to see interest rate cuts coming through. <laughs> Yeah. this year so yeah. doesn't tempt you at all um it does when the interest rates come down and obviously people have more disposable income to spend uh i just want i wonder how they're going to get entice retailers back into these retail properties because a lot of retailers shut up shop over the last few years and shut up their retail space in favor of going online so um, whether they have to cut their costs or kind of entice with long leases at a discounted price or something but yeah that that one factor does definitely interest me given the interest Mm -hmm. rate environment is set to come down so that plays favorable for a company like vicinity centers so if anything it could be a hold Mm -hmm. um, but that would be pending the interest rate cuts coming okay interesting all right because vicinity centers yes it's regional but it actually has bought Chadston and it's bought Chatswood Chase yeah. Um, that's familiar to lots of us <laughs> yeah. here in Sydney. Um, so sort of going against the grain when it comes to those the regional tag that it's always had, but it will have to invest in those um, in those two assets. Um, and then you know where they operate in some of the regions. That's exactly where a lot of the consumers are being hit the hardest um, when it comes yeah, to I, the interest rate hikes we've already had. If you look at it though, it's return on equity has never exceeded eight percent, and in fact that was only one super good year in 2017. Most of the time its return on equity is below five. And you're paying a PE of over, of over 20. 
which means your earnings yield is less than five. So the actual earnings of the business are less than 5%. Um, how much can you ever get out of it as an investor? Uh, you can't get more than the company earns. So if all the company earns is its ROE, which is so low, how are you ever as a shareholder going to make money out of it? The only thing you can hope to do is um, buy it when somebody else wants to sell it and it's cheap and then sell it when somebody else wants to buy it and it's expensive. But as a business, you wouldn't want your money tied up in this business and that's what it is when you're a shareholder. Mm -hmm. Your money is actually tied up in the business. So, you know, yes, they may be in all the right sort of centres and retail, if interest rates drop, it may be good for them, uh, good for their share price and so on and so forth. But it isn't a well-run business. That's the sad thing. So it's an avoid from Howard. Yep. Got it. Okay, now we have Magellan reporting today. Uh, the market's liking that one. One of its big competitors uh, in the funds management space, GQG Partners. And GQG, you know, as opposed to Magellan, has not been seeing these outflows. Um, we've got an outperform on it from Macquarie, a buy from Ordmanet, buy from EBS, and an ad from Morgan's. What's your view? Yeah, it's a very attractive company in a time where fund managers did it really tough last year. Funds under management outflows were so high and continuing to grow. But for a company like GQG, it's actually a completely different story. Yeah. And the brokers have got it all right. Uh, net inflows of $1.8 billion in, the, in the December quarter. We're expecting that to continue. Um, obviously, a good market environment was a positive driver of this. But yeah, in a funds management space, um, it's a global boutique asset management and firm focused on active equity portfolios. So again, it kind of diversifies itself in that way. But against all of the fund managers, this is a standout one. And I agree with all the, all the brokers out there. It's definitely a buy rating right now. Buy. Do you yeah. own any fund managers? Um, well, our company, Tip Group, owns fund mm -hmm. managers. Yes, uh, fund management is quite a bit of what we do because mm -hmm. Team Invest members being my generation and mm -hmm. some of them older, we've got a lot of them that have become either no longer on this world anymore, but their family's still around, uh, or alternatively reach the point that they can't do it themselves anymore. They don't see too well, they can't hear mm -hmm. terribly well, etc. Mm -hmm. So we started a fund, um, uh, gee, I can't even remember, more than 10 years ago, called the Conscious Investor Fund, which has yeah. done extraordinarily well. If we were one of the rated funds, we've never bothered getting ourselves a rating, we'd be in the top few rated funds because our returns have been absolutely superb uh, to members. And we also had some interest in some other funds. But I think a more important thing is if you look at the fund management space, funds become a flavor of the time. That was Magellan. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was platinum. Before that, it was perpetual. And I can remember a time when every uh, ratings place and every broker had a buy rating on Perpetual. Mm -hmm. And then Perpetual faded uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the ratings. Then it was Platinum. Now, neither Perpetual nor Platinum's share prices have ever got back to what they were when everybody loved them. Um, nor have their funds got back to what they were. You know, all the funds flowed in and then it all flowed out. Mm -hmm. Then it became Magellan. And Hamish Douglas had this fan following, you know, he could have probably filled the Sydney football stadium if he said he was giving a talk there and everybody would have come and clapped and cheered. Um, and then he fell out of favour and now it's GQG. Um, so, you know, you can ride them as investments while they're super popular on the way up, but you have to realise that when that stops being the favourite flavour, it'll all come tumbling down. 
The difference with our fund is we don't do anything to promote it. Uh, they're all either ex-team invest members or people have heard about us indirectly. We don't do any advertising at all because our philosophy is our main objective is to run the funds well. We're not out there chasing every dollar. We just, we're trying our best to run those funds well um, for members and families and members and he doesn't advertise, but he does speak about it all the time. <laughs> all right. So this is so, my only advertising. Yeah. Well, and it's free. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately for us. But um, let's get to GQG. So what you're saying is there's no reason, in your view, to own a listed fund manager. No, I'm saying you can trade listed fund managers, buying them when the great enthusiasm mm -hmm. is lauding them. Okay. And that's what's happening at the moment with GQG. But uh, don't ever think about it as being something I can own in my portfolio for the long term, because the moment they fall out of favour, or alternatively, the moment another listed fund manager has another spokesperson who mm -hmm. sounds wonderful and everybody thinks he or she is the greatest hero, um, then they'll be the big one. I mean, you've only got to look at Kathy Ark, uh, Wood of Ark, yeah. you know, um, did a fabulous job self-promoting and um, funds grew enormously. The people who put the money in haven't done terribly well. Mm. So um, it's currently trading at $2.10. It's up by close to 40% over the past year. So if you got in, yeah, even sort of beginning of 2023, October 2023, sorry, it's not trading at $2. Yeah, it is. But if you got in at like $1.37, are you saying that you'd actually just take some profits now? No, because it's still the flavor of the month, you know, okay. or the year. Um, everybody's still piling money into it. And remember, how do fund managers make money? There's really two sources that they make money from. One mm -hmm. is funds under management, mm -hmm. um, which uh, we don't actually charge in our fund. And the other is performance fees. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. performance fees you only get if you perform well, but funds under management you get whether you do well or badly. So that money comes in irrespective. So with billions of dollars pouring in into flows mm -hmm. into the favorite fund at the time, this crowd, um, your funds under management income gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you don't need more staff. You don't need a bigger factory. You don't need, uh, 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 you don't have to put in extra servers. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to dig another hole in the ground mm -hmm. uh, like so many other industries. It's a wonderful industry to be in because with the same small number of staff that you've got, whether you're running 100 million or 10 billion or 100 billion, you don't really need much more other than back-end staff to handle the people who want to put new money in or take their money out. Mm -hmm. um, so when it's the flavor of the month, um, it's a great investment. Okay, so if you own it, hold it, but you yeah. wouldn't be investing well, in it. Well, I, I wouldn't personally, but yeah. anybody who okay. buys it now probably will do reasonably well for a while. We just don't know for how long. Okay, all right. I'm going to call that a hold from Howard. If you own it, he would not buy it. Okay, that brings us to the end of the show. Before I say my thank yous, I'll just reiterate very quickly uh, what we've learned. And Coden, it's a double buy for both of my guests. Uh, Howard actually owns some of it. Um, he reckons you could potentially get it a little bit cheaper if we yeah, have a bad I'm... day on market. But you know, for a long-term investor, he's quite comfortable Absolutely. buying today. Um, Abri, so it's a hold for Grady. I just think it really enthused her, and it's got an offer on the table. It's an avoid for Howard. Iris, it's a no for Howard. He just thinks it hasn't lived up to its promise. Um, it's a hold for Grady. It's a no for Howard. I should say it's a hold for Grady. She likes the fact that. 
Um, what it does, actually, she uses it, but uh, it's not going to shoot the lights out. Vincidity Partners, it's a sell for Grady, bad space to be in right now. It's in a void for Howard as well. He says it's not a well-run business. And GQG Partners, you just heard what we talked about. Um, Howard would hold it if you have it. He wouldn't be buying in because it doesn't uh, hit his investment philosophy, but it's a buy for Grady. She's saying follow the funds, and the funds are flowing. All right, that brings us to the end of this hour. Huge thank you to Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Oh, pleasure. And Thanks a conscious investor. There you go, Howard. <laughs> All right, uh, that's our show for today. We'd love it if you submitted picks, osbiz.co forward slash call picks. It's at the bottom of your screen. We've put it up throughout the program. You can also drop us a line on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, look, stay with us. We've got plenty more to come.